Today's teaching text comes from 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 through 12. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hi, I'm Barbara Augustin. I'm an elder at TGC Park Slope. It's so good to be with you today. Um, I am a native New Yorker. I'm originally from Brooklyn, but because of COVID, I've been living in Washington, D.C., and I, um, I miss New York, I miss Brooklyn, I, I miss being in uh, service with you all and worship, corporate worship has been something that I have really uh, missed during these last couple of months. I hope that you are all doing well, that your families are safe and that you're healthy and strong. Um, I'm so glad to be able to talk about one of my favorite topics today, which is prayer. I think that the prayer series that we're doing is so timely and and necessary for the times that we're living in. And what I'd like to talk about today is the gift of prophecy in the context of the promises that God makes, as well as how prayer um, relates to that. I think a lot of times um, people don't really understand what prophecy is. There's sometimes this misconception that prophecy is actually prayer. Um, But I think that while they're all different gifts and practices, Um, I really want to take the time to clarify what each is and how they intersect um, in our walk. And so before I do that, I'd love to pray for us um, to get us started. Uh, God, I just thank you for for this opportunity to gather from our homes and to come before you um, as a body. Lord, I, I just thank you for every family, for um, every person that's represented here, I thank you for their homes and um, and their health, Lord God. I thank you for their lives. I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that you would just bless everyone, Lord God, that you would bless them in their secret places, that you would um, fortify their faith, that you would heal um, broken hearts, Lord God, that you would um, give strength where strength is needed, Lord God, that you would keep marriages together, that you would bring harmony and, and love in, in, in families, Lord God. And so, Father, I just pray that you would watch over 
this body that you would be with me um, as I uh, exhort you and glorify your name by talking about the things that you've given us to give us greater access to you. Lord, would you anoint my mouth, Lord God? Would, you, um, would the words reach your people in Jesus's name? Um, so the gift of prophecy, uh, it's a special ability to speak forth the message of God, essentially. A prophet basically is a spokesperson for God. He or she delivers the word of God to people by means of direct revelation by the Holy Spirit. Prophetic utterances can deal with certain individuals, the church, or larger contexts. In some cases, you can get a prophetic word for a nation or for a group of people. And sometimes um, people think that it's a prediction. I, I just the prophetic word is not always about the future. It could be for this time. And the other thing is that it, it's actually not a prediction because the what makes a prophetic word different than a prediction is that it's backed by the word of God. Um, it is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, predictions could be what the weather is going to be like five days from now. It could be based on analysis, which is very different from a word that God has anointed or given specifically for a people or a place or a time. Um, the speaker is not speaking on their own behalf. They don't speak on their own authority or their intellect, but in fact, they're, they're speaking based on the authority of God. And there has to be a sense of humility and respect for God's holiness, his purity and his sovereignty. Um, John 4, 24 says that, God is a spirit and his worshipers must worship, worship him in spirit and in truth. In 2 Peter 1, 20 to 22, um, it says that no prophecy of scripture ever came about by the prophet's own interpretations of things. For prophecy never had its origins in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Again, I think that Part of the reason why the gift of prophecy can be so powerful and so strong um, and life-changing and trans um, transformative is because it is powered by God. It's God essentially saying, here's what I want my people to hear. Um, and oftentimes it's him pointing to his character. It's him um, making us feel seen and understanding um, what is to come or what is currently happening. Um, I think that I, I, per, I personally, like whenever I'm um, exploring a different uh, rhythm of Christianity or practice um, or, you know, investigating something, I like to see it in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. I, I know that that's not always, we can't do that with everything, but by and large, because of the story, because the Old Testament and the New Testament, as we know, are the full arc, the full story of Jesus Christ and God and creation and, and our relationship with him. I'm always looking for references in both books because taken together, it's the full story. Well, in the New Testament, we do see that there are references to prophecy and um, and, and and prophets. In Acts 2, 17 to 18, it says, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in, the, in those days, and they will prophesy. In the Old Testament, uh, God promised Moses, he said uh, in Exodus 4.12, now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. He also said to him, I will raise up for my people a prophet like you, and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell everything I command him. And that's in Deuteronomy 18.18. 18. 
He also says to Jeremiah, I have put my words in your mouth in Jeremiah 1.9. And for Ezekiel, you must speak my words to them in Ezekiel 2.7. And in the Old Testament, what you'll also see if you want to look back is that a lot of the prophets, whenever they were going to say something, they would always start by saying the word of the Lord came to or thus says the Lord, or this is what the Lord says. And I think that's important because they're basically saying, I am a conduit and I am saying exactly what God has said without adding my own interpretation, without embellishing it with my own words. If he has told me to say it, I'm just going to say it exactly as it is. And a lot of times in the Old Testament, we saw that they were bearing bad news or they were, you know, um, coming to bring judgment or to tell people, Um, what was to come or that they were behaving in a way that was not pleasing to God. But, and and that's very relevant. What Paul does encourage in um, what Paul says in first Corinthians 14, he says that um, the primary purpose of the prophetic ministry is to strengthen. It's to encourage and comfort believers. In other words, the one who prophesies is actually edifying the church Prophecy can sometimes bring conviction. It can, it can, and uh, it can bring conviction of sin, and and it lays the secrets of our hearts to bear. And what I mean by that is not the for the purpose of bringing guilt and shame, but we have to understand that God is sovereign and holy and perfect. And wherever He is, when He shows up in the building on the block, and He's in the place. His holiness cannot stand for sin. Like, it's like when he shows up, sin has to flee. It's, there's just no um, other way about it. And so therefore, if, the, if a prophetic word is God inspiring a person to speak, that means God's presence is in the room. And therefore, all the things that are hidden will come to the surface. And so, for example, sometimes I, I, I can use myself, for example, um, when I first heard the gospel and I was so struck by it, but one of the things that happened was conviction. I I heard about what Jesus had done. I had some understanding of what sin was, but the experience was really, oh, he sees the things that I think about that I don't tell people about. He sees the brokenness on my inside. I'm aware of it. Um, it's harder for other people to tell, but God sees it and he loves me in spite of it. And in fact, he sacrificed his son so that I would have life. And that brought about a humility and it, it, it felt like an exchange. It felt like, oh, I see what you see and it's too much for me to handle, but the, but the love of God rushes in. And so conviction a conviction alone where you're cognizant of your brokenness and your sin without the love and the grace and the mercy of God flooding in, I think can be very devastating. But God does a really beautiful thing. He lays the microscope on your heart and he says, I see this. I'm wiping the slate clean and I love you. I want you to come closer to me. And here is my son. Um, and so when we talk about uh, a prof- the prophetic word, again, I just have to remind us that it is meant to edify the body. It's a gift that the Lord has given us to encourage one another, to console and to comfort. In Ephesians 4, it says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the, pre- the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of God who became mature and become mature 
attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The prophetic moves in a lot of different ways. Um, we sometimes will see that uh, people will have dreams of the prophetic or they will, you know, have um, a vision or they'll have a specific word or an unction and they will kind of use that to describe, um, you know, what they're hearing God say. And I do think that there are times where there can be the limit of, of, of language. Um, what I, I, I do want to caution, though, is that prayer, uh, the prophetic word can happen during prayer, but it's not a prayer. So the word of prophecy is unidirectional. It's God speaking to the man or the woman and then them speaking out. But prayer is... It can be unidirectional. It can also be just a, a dialogue, not just. <laughs> um, it's also a, it's a conversation. I, that's how I always feel about it. It's a petition. It's a supplication. It can include confession. Um, prayer is so dynamic in that you can use prayer to intercede. You can use prayer to pray a healing for people. You can um, use it as a, in a very defensive way against the fiery darts of the evil one. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Jackie spoke about spiritual warfare and our armor is faith and the word of God, while also uh, praying without ceasing, praying the truth over our lives, praying about who we are and standing in that. Um, prayer is a very active um, uh, relational thing and prophecy is one direction. It's God speaking to the person and the person speaking it out. And I think that a lot of times because a prophetic word will come out during a time where people are praying in a word of wisdom, or it could be a word of knowledge. And for example, um, I used to be on our prayer team and I would be praying for folks, um, you know, down in the front of church when we gathered way back then. And someone that I did not know would come and ask for prayer. They'd say something like, oh, I'm looking for an apartment. Could you pray that I would find a place by July or something? And I'd start praying for them. But while I was praying, the Holy Spirit would say, oh, uh, maybe pray about um, a broken heart or maybe pray about a recent breakup. And I might not actually have all the context as it's coming in, but I would begin to say, oh, I feel, you know, I, I just want to pray over your heart or I want to um, acknowledge the pain that you're feeling um, from this loss. So using those kinds of words and um and as I'm praying and the person would say, well, how did you know this? And I would say, I, I don't know. It's just, here's what I was, here's, here's what I was hearing from the Holy Spirit. And I chose to pray it out loud, hoping that it would resonate with you. And so there are instances where when you are praying, the Holy Spirit will give you a prophetic word, but it is meant to be used to minister to that person, that God sees them, that God cares about them. And it also reinforces his character of, a, of being a father. Um, I've also seen, uh, so I should take a step back. Um, I first learned about the prophetic word and the, 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 um, ministry of prophecy when I was attending a vineyard church, which is the church that I went to before coming to TGC. And it was a very robust prayer ministry. And in the mornings we would pray before the service, pray for people, and then kind of do a recap at the end of service, just kind of all the leaders coming together and having a prayer time before we went into the week. And I was, um, we were praying and this guy, Steve just stands up and he goes, you know, Barbara, I have this, I have this vision for you where you're walking across the stage 
and you're wearing a purple gown and you're about to achieve something. And he said, you know, it's not like it was the purple for royalty because a lot of times purple is assumed to have um, some sort of, uh, uh, not connotation, but it means royalty, like in dreams and visions. At least that's what I've been told. <laughs> um, I haven't checked it out as a fact, but, um, and he said, no, it doesn't mean that. It means that you're gonna achieve something. And so I was like, okay, thank you for that. You know, that seems really nice. But at the time I didn't have any context. I, you know, I'm not a performer. I don't work in theater. Um, I don't generally wear purple in my life like frequently. So I, I didn't have any context for that. Several years later, um, I went to grad school. And as I was um, on the day of convocation, I was walking across the stage. As I went to reach for my diploma, it dawned on me, oh my gosh, I'm wearing a purple gown <laughs> and um, I have achieved something. And it just clicked to me, oh my gosh, that was the prophetic word that Steve had given me uh, several years back. And I had no context for it. I didn't, you know, at the time, I didn't know that I was supposed to pray about it. I didn't have the right tools. I just, um, like, it just, it clicked to me. And then I felt this rush of humility that, whoa, God, you wanted me to know this years in advance and it felt like a promise that he was fulfilling for me and so we do sometimes we'll get a prophetic word where because of the time that we're living in um we just we have nothing to anchor it because it hasn't happened yet or we haven't thought about it yet but the things have god is putting things in place for us so that we, we can walk into that promise so we can take hold of that and i think that reinforces his character and it allows us to um grow in our faith and understanding of who he is another experience um and you would have thought that that would have made me a believer. I forgot about that experience. And in 2016, I uh, that summer, I was working um, at a job and it was fine. But I just I started to get this feeling that, um, you know, it was time for me to move on. It wasn't the right place. And so I decided to step down and I really wanted to take the summer to just like I felt like I. I just needed time with Jesus. And I know that it's a luxury to be able to take a summer off and not work and just kind of, I was, um, I remember calling that, that summer, the, 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 the season where I was chasing God. And I was just, I was just going to prayer meetings. Um, like I was going to Monday morning prayer. I went to uh, Tuesday night prayer, at Brooklyn Tabernacle. Um, I did an inner healing thing on Wednesdays. And then I went to church on Sundays. I was riding my bike through Prospect Park, just praying, drinking coffee, eating bagels, sitting in the park, talking to the Lord, just meditating, just soaking it in. Um, I had come out of a really long season of just working really hard and wrestling and trying to figure out life that I just needed a moment. Um, and so I had heard about this um, ministry called Dipping Night um, in, 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 in the city. And so I was just like, Oh, it happens on the Monday. I don't work. So why don't I just go and just kind of see what that looks like. And at the time I didn't have a particular request. Um, I was very open handed with where life was going to be. I had finally told God I surrender, um, just do what you will. I just want to experience joy in my life. And I um, got there at seven o'clock. There was already a, a line around the, the corner, which was surprising to me. Um, as a New Yorker, I'm not a big fan of lines, but I was just like, okay, fine. I'm going to stand on the line. That morning, I had read in my devotional um, about the woman who had been uh, bleeding for 12 years. 
and you know she touches the garment of Jesus as he's passing. And the devotional or the commentary was that you know, it was about the desperation to reach out for Jesus when you're in need. Essentially, in Jewish culture, when a woman is bleeding, um, they typically are not allowed to be around um, the general public or around men. And so for a woman to have been bleeding for 12 years, who hears that Jesus is coming by and that, you know, that Jesus has the power to heal her. Um, it talked about how she was like on the periphery, like watching and waiting for the right opportunity to be able to kind of... Um, to, to reach out to Jesus. And, and as Jesus was passing by, out of a moment of desperation, willing to kind of, um, you know, deal with whatever kind of uh, cultural backlash that, that, that would ensue, that she was going to reach for him. And as we know, she gets healed. So I was thinking, okay, you know, when was the last time I was desperate for Jesus? When was the last time I was willing to sit for hours and at his feet and just wait? So I stood online, I was trying to be um, spiritually mature. I stood online, waited, we got inside. And when you get in there, they give you a number and there's four stations. There's um, a station where there are pastors uh, who lead the ministry or providing pastoral care. There's another section where there are artists who were um, drawing prophetic uh, pictures and then groups of people who would pray for, for you. And then like a kind of like an inner healing sort of area. I should explain inner healing is essentially people who um, like have gone through kind of like a trauma or needing a really big breakthrough. And people will just kind of pray for you for hours until that thing happens. That's the quickest um, high level version of inner healing I can um, describe. So, uh, so I get there and I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. And it appears like people are having breakthroughs. Um, the group first prays for me and they're like, oh, what do you want to pray about? And I said, oh, nothing. I'm, I'm really open. Whatever you hear, um, I'm willing to kind of accept. Of course, I didn't want to tell them, you know, what I was holding in my heart. And I wanted to also see if it was real. Um, I'm always kind of very cynical about these things. And so um, they prayed for me. They said, you know, the Lord is very delighted with you. Um, you're very creative and you're, you probably are going to do something in graphic arts. And so it was a really lovely prayer. I walked away from there thinking this has nothing to do with me. It, nothing resonates. Um, and I was hoping for something more nuanced about, you know, about who I was. Um, and so I was just like, okay, I'm just going to kind of just wait. I, I waited for the artist. Um, and then I sat, uh, when it was my turn, I sat down and he said, what's your name? I said, it's Barb. And he didn't say anything else. He just started drawing. He was drawing furiously. And then after a couple of minutes, he looks up and he goes, when you sat down, I felt this anointing on you. And he said, I felt like, um, you know, I, I'm drawing, I drew this office for you and you're in the office and you're taking notes and Jesus is standing right next to you. And he is basically talking directly to you. It's like you have this really strong connection and he's downloading to you and then you are putting it out. Um, and he was just like, you guys have this like nice friendship where he trusts you and you trust him. And so he drew um, an office, a desk, a monitor with me sitting at the desk writing and my back to the, walk, to the windows. And there are three big windows with Jesus standing by 
one of the walls. And he even drew like all the buildings outside the window and this huge water tower. So I thought, oh, that's pretty encouraging. Like I felt like this, the, the summer that I was in, um, that I was feeling closer to the Lord, like really feeling his presence. And so I was like, okay, I can kind of, I can get with this. this is, you know, this makes a little bit more sense to me. I don't work in an office, but fine. Um, by 12 o'clock, 12 a.m., I'm, I'm still waiting to to make it to the next two other places, to other two sections. Um, and I start to kind of think, okay, it's getting really late. I should probably go home. But then I start thinking again about the um, the woman who, who waited for Jesus. And so I was like, well, what if Jesus shows up? Like, what if there's like this major miracle here and I left too soon? So I wait and finally get to see the pastors, the pastoral group. And it's a, the, the, parent, uh, the father, the mother, and their son. And I walk up and they're like, what do you want us to pray for, for for you? And I said, oh, I don't have anything in mind. You know, I'm in this season where I'm very open-handed and just waiting for God. And the, the husband right away, he says, you're going to be in church leadership. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> he was like, yep, you're going to be in church leadership. You're going to come into a windfall of money. And I immediately started thinking, oh my gosh, I was like, are they, is this the prosperity gospel? Like what is happening right now? And he was like, yeah, I feel like there's going to be a promotion in your life. And then his wife was like, yep, I second that. And then his son, that creativity thing came back up. They were like, you know, we, we have a sense that you're very creative, um, that you're going to be working in education with a whole bunch of children and you're going to be producing things or protocols or procedures that go out like manuals. And, um, and then they, and then they, they were, they prayed for me and they were like, that was it. And I was just like, okay, how come no one in the room realized that I've been praying for like 20 years to get married? Like that did not come up at all, um, at the time. And so I just thought I didn't, you know, it was a very lovely experience, and but I didn't come out of it feeling like, oh, they really see, saw me or that, not they, that God was really speaking to me. Um, so I left. That was June 6, 2016. Six months later, so I'm applying to different jobs and stuff and really open about it, like not applying to specific industry or for specific work. And um, December 1st, I get two job offers, the first from a charter school. And they made me the offer in the morning. And I said, oh, I would think about it. I, I thanked them and I was very excited. And then later that afternoon, um, the a university that I had applied to for a job also called me and made me an offer. And so I was standing in my vestibule having the conversation with the supervisor. And he said, you know, we don't know where you came from. We had already figured out a finalist, but the search committee um, unanimously selected you. And so I'd like to make you an offer today. And so I thought, oh, I, I, I thought, oh, that's so interesting. I should tell him that I got another offer. And, but instead, like, it's like my brain and my mouth weren't working at that time. I, um, instead I said, oh, Donald, that's interesting that you would call me today. And so he then said, yeah, I wanted, you, you mentioned that it was your birthday. And so I wanted to call you and, um, give you good news. And I thought, huh, that's interesting. Um, I should tell him about the new position and I should tell him that I'm going to take the other position because I want to count, I want him to counter and then I need time to think about it. As I'm thinking about that, I feel like the Holy Spirit says to me, it's not about money. You have favor with this man. And so I thought, all right, I'm going to be open. I'm going to go with it. So I say, oh, Donald, you know, I don't know. I, 
I've never accepted a job on the spot and um but i will accept this position and he said and i said when would you like me to start he said please come in on december 12th so i was like fine um i show up to work i get there early um and he's not there and you know he shows up and he's like oh you know my train was running a little late let me get settled let me show you to your office so <laughs> he uh he opens the door and I kid you not, the office that I'm sitting in, that office that he shows me is the exact picture that that prophetic artist drew for me. And there are people like, you know, my best, I had, I made my best friend come and look at the office afterwards. I think I've seen, I've had Stephanie come and look at it because it was just like so out of the world, out of this world for me. I've never had an experience like that. The desk was exactly where he said it was going to be. There were three big, uh, three uh, big windows and it was in December. So at the time the shades were down. So I pulled them up because I wanted to see if the, uh, if the buildings outside were exactly as he had drawn it. Oh my goodness. They ex the, like the height of each building, the number of floors and windows on the floors that you can see out of my window. And then on the right side on 16th and 5th Avenue, there was a water tower exactly as he had drawn it. And I think I was so blown away that I closed the door and I just kind of wept because it wasn't so much about the office or the, or the prophetic word. It was about, it kind of solidified to me that God fulfills promises he makes promises even before I pray for them. And he, he does it in a way that both humbles you, but makes you feel loved and known. And it also shored me up. It was the first time that I felt like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. Like I had a conviction. I felt like an authority to, to work at that university that like I've never felt before. And it helped me know that because God had placed me there that, you know, no one else could push me out or make me feel like I didn't belong. And I think that that is the other like positive externality of a prophetic word. It's certainly for, for you to hear from God and for you to learn about God's character, but it's also for you to, for us um, to know that God sees us, that he has created a lane for us, that he has promises for our lives and that he is working things out so that those promises would be fulfilled. And when you step into that lane, you can take authority of that territory or you can claim that space as yours and move through it freely and without condemnation, without fear, without anxiety, knowing that he has set a place for you, kind of similar to what that verse that says that he has set a place um, beside him at the table, that that seat has your name on it. Um, I, I, when I've gotten prophetic words, um, most of them I've forgotten, but now I'm really trying the practice of, you know, when I get it, I try to record it now and I meditate on it and I test it. I ask God and the Holy spirit. And I say, look, Lord, you know, I got this prophetic word. I there's no context. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I know that your promises are true. Would you reveal it to me? I ask the Holy spirit to explain it to me. And I look in his word to see if anything about that, um, prophetic word I received, if it contradicts God's character, if it contradicts the promises that he has made to the old patriarchs, then I can kind of toss it, but I can also wait and see what happens because you will get, we will get prophetic words that stand outside of time because God stands outside of time. He's moving back and forth. And so 
Um, we can get a word for like 40 years from now, but that doesn't mean that we don't claim it. Um, you know, a couple of weeks, I was supposed to give this message two weeks ago, and I really struggled with that because there's been so much transition. There have been so many things happening. Um, I mean, in all of our lives, uh, the pandemic, I'm, I'm, I'm in the, a different city. I didn't plan to live in Washington, D.C. Um, I got married in May during prime COVID time. And like, I, I just didn't expect that. I, I expected to get married at some point, but not in the way that it's happened. And um, uh, and also a lot of the social unrest that's been happening in the country. It's been really um Challenging just doesn't even encapsulate the overwhelming feelings. Um, you know, I'm now married to a black man who is six foot three, and that brings about a very different anxiety to me. Like every time he walks out the door, I'm a little nervous that he might not come back. And, you know, with this week, seeing that Jacob uh, Blake was shot seven times in the back and the social unrest that's in the protestations in all the cities and the rhetoric that's flying around, I've, I've been, I'm scared, you know, I'm, I'm scared. I'm anxious. I feel a, a, a very distinctive amount of stress, um, every day now. And it feels like, you know, my secret prayer to God lately has been, God, where's your word for my people? Um, what, like, God, what is it about my skin color that makes my my body and my life not valuable? And when are you going to intervene? Um, and I was, um, I don't have the answers. I just have a lot of questions for God. Um, but I've just been so burdened um, for my people and for, for our nation. And I keep getting reminded that, you know, Abraham was counted as a man of faith. We see that in Hebrews 11, 12. Um, and God promised him that his children would outnumber the grains of sand, but he died before seeing that. And Moses was promised that his people would come out of slavery and he would see the promised land. And he didn't, but he believed God. And you know, when I think about people like Rosa Parks and MLK and the sacrifices that they made and the promises of a greater future that they held on for, you know, it's like, how long, Lord, right? Um, the psalmists say this a lot, like, how long, Lord? How much more must we endure? When will you come? When will justice and mercy come and what will that look like? And I, I think that God is, I'm reminded that God is sovereign. <laughs> um, he is, he still resides over the evil one. He still has authority over all the things that are happening. And he, I'm reminded that he has not forsaken us and his character is still good. And he says often that it's through trials and tribulations and suffering that our faith perseveres and that our character is refined. 
and I, I believe that to be true. It's the one thing that I have to hold on to. I've been reading First um, Peter these last couple of weeks, and I think that's the that's what was read earlier. It's First Peter three to twelve. Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an, an, an into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. When they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. I'm reminded that salvation is ours. I'm reminded of our inheritance. I'm reminded that God is in control of everything and I'm not condoning what's happening. I'm not saying that justice is not justice and mercy um, is not what we're waiting for. I'm I'm looking for justice and mercy. I I need God to come down and 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 change change it all up. I need God to heal our land. I, I would love to see Him, you know, reconcile um, the racial tensions. I'd love to see equity in our cities and our, our, our states and our nation and globally. I'd love to see brotherly love. I want to see peace and harmony um, and, 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 and unity in the world that we live in. That we live in. And I long to, to not be anxious when I walk out the door. And, and yet that's what God is saying. He's saying that we have an inheritance. He's saying that there is a coming of salvation. He's saying that Jesus is the answer. He's saying that we are going to have grief and suffering. And yet, he is with us. He is in it. And that every body that's been broken, every black body that's been shot, every mother or sister or relative that is grieving the loss of their son or their child, that the Lord is with them. And for the oppressors, that the Lord is with them too. God can be God over the victim and the oppressor. And so I, I like I know that that's not a complete message, um, but it's where I am right now. I am wrestling with uh, where we are as a nation. I'm wrestling with the fear of what the color of my skin represents. And um, I'm living in a new time where I share a home with a man who has a target on his back because of the skin of his color. And I'm longing and lamenting and interceding and praying and seeking um, guidance from God so that we can live without fear, so that we can live and pursue justice, so that we can love our neighbors and that we can live in, um, that I can I can stand into the authority that God has given me um, 
over fear, over the things that are happening and to pursue love and to pursue joy and peace. And so I just, um, I hope I'm not ranting. <laughs> it's what I was feeling. And, um, you know, I, I think that we just have to be as, as honest as we can be with the things that are going on right now and be vulnerable. And um, I would just uh, encourage you all that God is still speaking um, and that he is speaking because he wants us to know that he loves us. And in the process, he is refining our character and fulfilling his promises to us. And my, my hope for my household and yours is that we would see the kingdom of God, that we would know his peace, that we would experience his joy, and that we would stand for what is true, that we would extend grace and mercy to, to our neighbors and love them well. Um, I pray that you have a great week and, um, and that God would bless you 